I think we'll get to this a little bit later too, but we talk about it, right? Like we've beat everyone we're supposed to be and we've done it in pretty convincing manners. And everyone that we're saying is like, you know, like we're playing in the manner that we want to see. And then the big one comes and it's like, ah, like what the, what the hell was that? Like, it was just like that. I think that this is another great chip in the bucket of like, okay, you're building us up again. I feel, you, I feel your point. I feel your point. And I guess we'll just have to see. I <laughs> that's part of being a fan. Quarterback sneak, right side, touchdown, Penn State! Yo, guys, we got the merch. We have hats, shirts, hoodies, we got it all. Make sure you hit the link in the description. Check it out. You guys keep buying the merch. It allows us to produce this pod and continuing to bring you guys dope content. So go check it out. Make sure you tag us at State Media PSU. And when you get yours, make sure you shout us out. We'll give you a shout out online. Check it out. Looking forward to the support. And we appreciate you guys as always. Welcome back to the pocket, folks. Uh, You got me and B-Bell here tonight. Um, Coming off Thanksgiving thinking about the things we were thankful for. We're thankful for this opportunity. And we figured, why not? We started with us, too. We're going to finish this regular season with us, too. Um, still going to keep bringing you guys guests, but uh, wanted wanted to make sure we ended this right. So, um, B, on that note, how was your Thanksgiving, brother? It was good. It was good, you know. Uh, had to work a little bit. Uh, not complaining about that. I'm thankful for that, but – Pretty small Thanksgiving this year. My pops and my grandma came up, took some food, chilled out, watched some football, a little bit of basketball. That was about it, man. How about yeah, you guys? The new we were good. My wife's my wife's aunt and uncle always host uh, the whole crew, so that's nice because I don't have to deal with the dishes and, and <laughs> having to really cook. I, I do I do the salmon though. We do a salmon smoked yeah. salmon appetizer with some Ritz crackers and a mustard mm. concoction that we dial up, but. uh you got my alley baby. <laughs> hey, bro, you said it and forget it, though. That's the easiest part. And I, that's what I was going to get at is you're a little bit of a culinary dude yourself. So I would assume that you you had you had the sticks in the kitchen the whole week, the whole the whole day. Is that is that correct? A little, a little bit. I get it from my dad. So mm-hmm. I was very thankful that he came because he was going to handle it. I, I am a little bit culinary um, into it, but. Not all the way. I get lazy, as you said, because I know dishes come with it, and I'm not always about that life. So, yeah, I, I pick and choose my battles. Yeah, sure. my wife always tries to tell me, and we always try to live by the cook never cleans, but it just so happens that every single time I cook, <laughs> I'm cleaning at the end of it. Too. And that's not an indictment on her. She's going to probably right. hear the clip, and it's going to be – that's going to be my ass. But um, it's not an indictment on her, but it just seems to work out Teamwork made the dream work. That's what I always say. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to, but that's good. You know, I ultimately though, it was a great, great holiday. Uh, my first, first Thanksgiving for Hayes, you know, all these yep. first with the baby, it's, it's always fun. So he handled it. Oh, yeah, we, we didn't even go over uh, first Halloween. I know, yeah. dude. Well, he, he, we dressed him up as a dinosaur cause he makes all these dinosaur noises, um, <laughs> which is hilarious by the way. But um, yeah, so we did a little dinosaur. We didn't, like where I'm at, you, I mean, you know where I'm at. I'm out yeah. in the sticks, so like bumping. <laughs> so many kids. Um, but yeah, bumping door to door. Most of these folks don't have kids, so it's not like uh, it's not like that big of a thing. But right. yeah, mm-hmm. so we, yeah, holiday season's great, and it's always fun with the kids. So 
Um, but yeah, so we moved on, got, got the black Friday special with Michigan state. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit, but, um, you know, I just, I really, I wanted to cut to the chase here, you know, 10 and two, um, fifth time under coach Franklin's tenure. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, I don't think what we expected, but at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of programs that were killed to sit in our position right now. Um, I know we don't want to hear that either because right. this is, it is what it is, right? With, with success comes expectations and continual growth. And that's just, that's the nature of the beast and that's the business of sports. So uh, reflecting on that though, you did a little, you did a little research by the numbers and I think yeah. that this lead to some good conversation. So what, what do you got B? It definitely does. I mean, if you look at some numbers, I just brought up, you know, Big Ten coaches. We'll stick with the Big Ten. You know, we got Franklin, obviously, our guy. Got Harbaugh's numbers, and I got Kurt Ferentz at, at, at Iowa, 25 years. And He's the longest brings, guy in college football, isn't he? he is. He yeah. He is. And it just brings me to my point, as you said, you know, a lot of expectations. See, the 10-win season so far right now doesn't feel like how we may have thought it would. But to keep it in perspective, you know, you can't dismiss the 10 wins. I mean – Anytime you end up with 10 wins, as I'm about to go over with all these coaches, you have a really good team. And that doesn't always mean it equals the, you know, you accomplish all the goals you want in the season. But going into Coach Frank, as you said, fifth year going with 10 plus wins and a 13 year head coaching career, 10 years at Penn State. I mean, win percentage at Penn State right now is 0.698, which is right, no, I won't say right below, but below. Coach Harbaugh's at Michigan for nine years at 0.775. He's had really good years. Uh, who had just had six 10-win seasons. And not to get too caught up in the 10 wins, but just to kind of shed light that it is a major accomplishment because we still go to Kurt Ferentz, as we said, 25 years at Iowa, longest tenured head coach at one place. And he's sitting at, he just accomplished his eighth, 10-win season of his head coaching career, which is at a 6.2 or 6.26 win percentage for himself. All that to say, this is a very successful year for Penn State. I know we don't want to hear it. And I know because, like you said, the expectations and all we hear, but you cannot dismiss it. And we still have a chance to accomplish 11 in a very strong bowl game against, I believe, will be a very strong opponent. Opponent. Yeah. And I, I like what you did there too, right? You took Michigan, who is obviously become the golden standard of, of the Big Ten. And then you also took in Iowa, who in my, I've always had a ton of respect for that program. But I think when you compare Iowa to a Penn State or a Michigan or an Ohio State, it's not the same talent pool. It's, it's like Iowa is cyclical. They're going to be like a veteran team for two or three years. They're going to take their lumps early, you know, be a six, seven, you know, eight win team if they're lucky. Um, and then there's always those couple years where they, where they develop the talent, they develop within the system, play really strong, good complimentary ball and, and end up surprising some people. So I think to be fair with the Ferentz comp compliment, you're comparing a little bit of apples to oranges with what Penn State expects. And it's not just the fan base 
you know, Coach Franklin has also talked about it on multiple occasions, you know, good to great to elite, all these different steps. And you could do that at a place like Penn State. Um, I don't think you can have the expectations of being a national championship contender at a place like Iowa. And I think that they accept that and they love the guy that they have there. And he's done a fantastic job of running a system. Right. Um, Now, you also did some digging into some previous Penn State guys, correct? Yes. And there's not a long list. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a long list. But, um, you know, let's just be let's just be straight and transparent. You know, Coach Paterno gets a lot of he gets a lot of comparison. You you come here. You're always living in that shadow to a degree. Right. Um, and I think it's I think it's a unique, uh, a unique conversation because of the evolution of college football in general um, from when he started and, right. and ultimately where it's at now. So what do you got there? I mean, if we're just talking 10 plus win seasons, he's got 20 of them. He's got 20 of them, which is uh, astonishing, uh, sitting at a win percentage of 0.749. And also, I wanted to bring up the bowl games, too, because that's that's not a lost art. Um, you know, Joe Pa sitting at a win percentage of 6.62 in bowl games, very strong record. Franklin's about 50 right now, 4-4 four and four at Penn State, which I think is his career. Uh, um, and surprisingly, Jim Harbaugh is 1-6 in bowl games, two and seven in his head coaching career, uh, counting mm-hmm. Stanford, which was interesting to me. But just leaving it at the Penn State guys, I mean, Joe Pa obviously had an incredible, incredible career. You know, we're not going to get into all the hoopla people like to throw at it, but, I mean, it's it's a tall task when you're here at Penn State, as you said, kind of living up to that. And I thought it was even funny. I'm looking up these numbers, and, you know, Coach Franklin came in when we were there. We didn't have – 10 plus win seasons. You know, we had, like you said, eight, seven, nine, if we're lucky. And it just brought up to me that is it unfair? Because if we stuck at that trajectory, you probably don't think Franklin's still here. If we stuck over at seven wins, eight wins. Well, and then also to be fair too, I mean, what, what we were coming out of from a sanction standpoint and a roster development standpoint, like that's going to set any program back. What I will say is, is the power of Penn State. Um, I, I've I've said this over and over again. Like to be in the position we're in now, you know, eleven years post sanctions, is I, I don't think anyone could have thought that that was possible in terms of handling it. The sanctions hit, never having a losing season, right? right? You know, I mean, they basically tried to give us everything but the death penalty, and. Um, Never had a losing season. Right. We played a part in that, and that's something that I take a ton of pride in. And yeah. then the evolution to where we're at right now, right? And I think Coach Franklin's done a great job of, of continuing to grow that, and that's part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, though, you know, again, I think that that, and I've said I said this before after the after the Ohio State or the uh, Michigan game, like. That excuse is starting to become much more minimized because of the impacts and the ability to go out and not only just recruit high school talent, but now mm-hmm. you can go snag dudes in the portal. You can like there's and I, there's a lot of ways to continue to attract talent to your program. And we watched Mel Tucker do it at Michigan State with the drop of a dime, dude. Like he flipped it, and now you know that program's in a little bit right. of a dis- everything that happened with him, and even from 
his first year to his second year to his third year, there was a lot of up and down, right? But um, that kind of comes with it. And I think to continue to stay on this trajectory, you need a continual growth pattern. Otherwise, you're going to kind of get washed in that cycle of here's the program. It's right on the brink. It doesn't quite get there. Now, with all of those factors that help you get there, they also work against you because now people are looking for the easier out. So it's like – at the end of the day, I think in today's college football, it needs to be a slightly more accelerated growth pattern in order to continue to sustain that success. Otherwise, yeah. it is going to be peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys. And I think that's the key now. It's not only just out recruiting people and then out coaching people and out playing people. Now you have to be able to stay consistent. Mm. And when you the the Alabamas of the world and the Georgias of the world. And now I think you're seeing it at Michigan and Ohio state had always had it. They still keep that talent there, no matter what, even if there is a little blip in the radar, they still keep the talent there. And I, mm. that's what I'm kind of excited about this off season. You, you mentioned it before we jumped on here, like the portal is exploding right now. <laughs> I haven't seen any Penn state guys, if any jump in there, I might, I'm not current right now of the last yeah. hour. And that's how, that's how fast that thing's moving. But um, that's, that's a great sign, right? It's right. a great sign that the program from a culture standpoint in the locker rooms in a good position. Now, obviously I think that there's some factors that we talk about that could slightly change some of this. And I don't want to dive into that too deep yeah. you know, read between the lines for our listeners. But um, yeah, man, I think it's, there's a lot of stuff that, that is going on now that both helps, but also hinders. And it's kind of that double-edged sword that Joe never had to really deal with while he was here. And um, it's just interesting. And people are always going to compare, dude. Yeah, you can't help it. But two things come to mind when you mentioned the transfer portal. And as you said, it can help you, it can hurt you. And it kind of brings me first to kind of where we were this year with the offense. We talk about being aggressive, taking risks. How much do you how much do you kind of compare that to working the transfer portal and bringing in guys? Because I think it's a double-edged sword from what I'm learning from a lot of high school recruits and guys, coaches, I'm sure you probably know this with your high school guys, that you can't just turn into Colorado and say, Oh yeah, we want all the transfers, because that may deter some of the high school talent, you know, as we know it's free agency. So you I think there's a fine balance of keeping your homegrown development, you know, three, four, five-star talent versus also we got a guy that we know he's played three years in big-time football that he can come in here and plug and play. What's up, everybody? If you are a college football fan like me, if you know a college football fan that's in your life, you need to go cop this shirt. New designs dropping all the time. It's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. Great material, great fabric. I wear it all the time. Go get yours today. Listen, man, it it is, it is becoming uh, a very big thing. I think a lot of it dictates where you're at. Hmm from a program standpoint, and I'm saying like brand, right? Like I think like a place like Penn State can continue to, I think they're in that upper tier of programs where they can continue to recruit and continue to homegrown because the talent pool that you're pulling from is with the big boys. It goes back to the conversation I had about that blue trip, that blue trip rating or whatever, like Mm -hmm. 54, 55 at Michigan, you know, Ohio state's a little bit above Alabama's way above, but like, 
realistically speaking, the big dogs are in that above 50% range. Right. That's a, that's a great stat to be in now that now that's, that's that one piece. And then when you shift over to the portal, it's gotta be really about not missing and filling gaps, right? Like you can't miss on the guys you bring in because that's, that's a lost opportunity to bring in a foundational kid that you could go out mm-hmm. and recruit at the level that you really get to know. And, you know, you feel good about and whatever. Um, so I think that's, that's the dance, right? And uh, you don't really have to worry as much at a place like Penn state, but you know, a lot of those smaller schools, you know, right. you think about it, I, I, you know, I, like Coach Ronnie down at ODU, you know, they, he has one kid that plays really good. Now that kid's moving up. So like yeah. you're, you're, you're like you're, you're continually trying to replenish a well, whereas like, you know, you, you got an Olu, you got like Olu who's been there and he's developed yeah. and he's there and he came back. Like right. he would have never came back after his first year at ODU when his stock exploded. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's. So it really depends on where you're at. Um, and Coach Franklin's in a good position. And that's why I think like the portal is much more of a weapon when you're at a place like that, because you can go and get that splash guy um, to make an impact. And he's going to stay there because it's yeah. like, where else, like, where else would I go? Would I go to <laughs> USC? You know, like it's like, it's, app- it's apples to apples. At that yeah. Point. At that point. At that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fine point. That's a fine point. As we said, this transfer portal just has opened up. You know, I'm talks with a represent a lot of college guys and, you know, I got my hand in a high school game a little bit. And I see, it, as you said, you know, guys want to bump up. They want to transfer up as soon as they have a good season, which you can't blame them. I mean, it's 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 the game now It is the game. Well, and it's it opens up opportunities. It's not just financial opportunities. Right, you know, it's, right. it's NIL like it opens up. It's just that continual chase. So, you know, the the numbers are always interesting. And I'm old saying, uh, you know, Coach Ron Rivera, when he was in Carolina, said it, but I'm sure someone else said it before him. No one's the founder of it, but but figures lie and liars figure, right? Numbers numbers can be can be shaped and formed and fudged and created to form any narrative, both good and bad, right? So you, you can only trust them, especially in a game like football, so much. Um, and I think you really find out where the place is from an overall health and wellness standpoint from the intangibles. And one of the intangibles now being, you know, with the transfer portal, you get another crack, like you said, at a really good, you know, we're going to go through this list here, projected ones. We promised last week. I said, we're going to get to it this week and we're going to get to it this week of some really, you know, top tier programs. It's going to be a great chance for coach Franklin to start erasing that narrative that he has in terms of record against top 10 opponents. And, you know, it's just really good, really good shit right now that's going on. And uh, it just, it just puts me in a good place. You know what I mean? I, I, as, as bummed as I was at certain points of this season, yeah, you know, uh, perfect time to transition into this in the Michigan State game, right? Like, yeah, you know, it, I loved it. I thought it was a great response. I thought the defense came out with their hair on fire. Um, the offense, you know, didn't really start scoring a ton of points until the second half, but they moved the football. They were explosive yeah. in the run game, explosive in the pass game. <gasps> Oh, excuse me. Um, and I thought, you know, you got to really see our playmakers. You know, it was great to see Nick Singleton have a game. You know, yeah, he had yeah. 
a lot of question marks around him all year. Is he healthy? What's wrong with him? He doesn't quite look right. Like it was great to see him have a game, get the ball in space, make some plays. It it came out of him. You know, I could just tell some of the plays he wanted to let it out. He got that frustration and it felt good to see. I could tell from last week, you know, I think it's been a minute since he's gotten to the end zone. And, you know, we're all, that's that dog that we talk about. A guy that wants to be the guy. It doesn't mean you're selfish. You want all the touches and this and that. But you want to. What'd you say? There is a big difference between, uh, like, like, just for lack of a better term, because I think the guy was a really good player, but like a Terrell Owens who can become a problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, it can become a problem. And like a guy who just wants to freaking win. You know, it's such a gray line. It can be towed and misconstrued again. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, everybody um, wants to win. But when you feel like you're a great player, you want to help contribute to that win. So I mean, yeah, not to get too off track, but you know, he definitely looked good. I, that felt good to watch. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought that was great. You know, really happy for Ty and Juwan getting those guys going um, on the offensive side of the ball. And like I said, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for you know growth and maturity because the time frame of, of trying to get things going and figuring things out tight end stayed involved had some receivers pop which was great i don't want to steal one of your points but uh, i'll let you that after this but i just thought overall the picture was great now you have a ton of time to go back you can really start diving into some stuff from an individual standpoint and what i mean an individual standpoint is is ty and, and juan of what they want to do what they want to be how they want to put a product on the field and at the end of the day uh, as much as this Coaching carousel and filling the offensive coordinator thing has become a thing. You know, we're seeing it now all over Penn State Twitter fans. You know, Mm -hmm. Juan and Ty are becoming people that they possibly want to see filling this role, right? So this is a great audition for these guys, even though Coach Franklin mentioned about trying to get a guy in during bowl prep, which may or may not happen. um, It's a great opportunity for these guys to to, uh, audition for this role and, and see what happens, you know? Right. Yeah, no, that's big time. As you said, Ty's our guy. And uh, filling out that resume, man, it's a chance for those guys to be great on their own a little bit and take it wherever it goes. And as you said, it's it was very enjoying to see, you know, playmakers make plays, simple as that. And just to get straight to the kid Amari Evans, man, I I saw it. The part that gets me is that we've seen it a little bit. We've had glimpses. Shoot, if yeah. I'm not mistaken yeah. – um, I'm going to have to somebody fact-check me, but I think uh, Drew's first touchdown might have been to this kid on a nice little, I don't want to say too deep ball, but intermediate ball last season. What I remember as a recruit, you know, his kid's got wheels out of Texas. I mean, that's the kind of talent we'd like to put out there, you know, to increase that talent pool from some of these states. You know, we got a yeah. kid from Texas going off, you know, that, that bodes well in the state of Texas. But uh, I, I saw flashes from him, so I was expecting to see more of him this year. Once again, we're not in the locker room. Who knows what's going on with the kid, things of that nature. But it's good to see. It's good to see for Drew. You know, obviously everyone's elated on an explosive play, and we had a few of them this past game. And that was that was kind of reflective of how it went. I mean, I think this might have been the best showing for me that I've seen from the collective since week one against West Virginia. I mean, it came out fired up. Maybe it was the NFL stadium. I don't know. A lot of kids from Detroit, Michigan. I don't know what it was, but. They came out with their hair on fire. I felt like just the energy. That doesn't mean, like you said, there wasn't a ton of touchdowns. But the energy that I could see through the screen, through the guys and how they celebrate after plays and 
they're getting up, you know, rowdy, high fives everywhere. That's the that's what I like to see. And I would like to see all year through the ups and the downs. But as we know, that comes with, you know, maturity and leadership. But it was a, it was a good good way to finish off the season. They played like they cut loose, which yeah. is how you need to play. And, and what's funny is, is we – and, again, I think we'll get to this a little bit later too, but we talk about it, right? Like we've beat everyone we're supposed to beat. And we've done it in pretty convincing manners. And everyone that we're saying is like, you know, like we're playing in the manner that we want to see. And then the big one comes and it's like this like – like what the what the hell was that? Like it was just like that. So I think that this is another great chip in the bucket of like, okay, you're building us up again. And then this bowl game, I think, is really going to tell if, if, if it was Ty and Juan breathing a breath of fresh air into this offensive unit, which I think naturally, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, B, but like, you know, just just as speaking from the quarterback side of things. You know, like I, as much as I wanted to play well for for my side of the ball and my guys on on that side of the on that side of the uh, of the coin, and like make them better, like I wanted to try to breed some type of momentum into the defense so we yes. could feed off of one another. And I feel like in these big games, the defense was really just like, you know, like that meme poking like do something in the offense. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> and, and but that's that that tears you down mentally as a player, right? You're always trying to shoulder the load and trying to yeah. trying to get something going and create a spark. And I thought you saw, to your point, when you watched these guys running on and off the field, the different units, like the offense was giving the defense a blow and the defense was into it and then it was vice versa, back and forth. Like that's what you want to see and that's what you now have to start seeing when the stage is bigger and brighter yeah. against better – against equal or yeah. better opponents, Right if you want to have a chance to beat them. So again, it boded well, but just because of yeah. <laughs> the way we played this year, I'm like cautiously optimistic about this bowl game because you could say right. a, sim- a similar performance happened against Maryland before the Michigan game. And then it's like, this I mean, is what shoot, that's what happened last year against Utah in a Rose Bowl. I mean, we were firing yeah. on all cylinders, you know, just, we just stick with offense. We were we we're expecting that in 2023. So I get what you're saying. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think it's it, as you said, a chip in the bank for the players is just that confidence that we always talk about. You know, like hey, we can execute like this. You know, all the time. And obviously, doesn't that means not every play is going to be perfect. But you know, when when we hit it right, it's boom. It's it's 45 yards. It's 25 yards on a yeah. zone or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, I feel your I feel your point. I feel your point. And I guess we'll just have to see. I don't know. That's part of being a fan. You know. Yeah. And then, and then what's your take on this? Because I saw some I saw some stuff on on social media talking about Manny Diaz being classless, playing till the last whistle and 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 playing his game and playing his brand of ball. I love it. Like I think I think you needed it at that point in time. I think the team needed it, especially as much of a berating as they've gotten from the media. Yeah. Um, you know, you've you've seen a lot of emotion in post game interviews from a lot of players, and like, I just think playing till that last whistle made a statement on at least oh, Manny yeah. made a statement about who he's going to be and how he's going to do things and conduct business. Uh, and I respected it. You know, like yeah. go out, get that shit out, finish on a high <laughs> note because that momentum momentum's big. Like carrying that momentum into this little break here and figuring things out and seeing what you're going to do, like. 
it puts you in a different mindset than coming off of a loss and just kind of like, like, right. You know, so what's your take on that as a defensive? Yeah, I love it. Anytime you finish a game with a shutout, which is the second one on a year, first one to a, what, a 10 and two Iowa team. I mean, it's, it's credibility for sure. It just stands out even more. This was a championship defense is a championship defense. I mean, if we haven't learned anything about Manny Diaz from week one from last year is that he's not going to change. doesn't matter who's on the field, ones, twos, threes. His his game plan is not changing. You you know, you you get with it or get lost. And as you said, I could respect it. I mean, it's just kind of who he is, and that's what the defense has become. And want, not to be the dead horse, but that's what we want out of offense, to take on that personality, that confidence of, the guy running the show and you don't even think twice about what you're doing. You know, Oh, you're calling a, a blitz on third and 12 with 20 seconds left. Sure. Let's do it. I want a sack. Who wants a sack? I want a sack. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I think the Jamil linebacker number 32 has got a lot of praise and big promise in him. He got himself a sack late in the game. I mean, that's, that's big time confidence next season, bowl game. It's just for the linebacker core on to that point. I'm confident in the future with the guys we got now. Keep reloading them. They've got a ton of playing time this year as we've had a few blowouts, and I'm excited for the future. So with that being said, uh, we saw saw, um, X&M filling their their void with Coach Elko, uh, which I think is a good hire. I don't want to dive into it and get too off topic. I think that's a really good hire. Obviously, familiarity with the program, but um, what he's done at Duke was pretty pretty impressive. Um, not quite sure what other dominoes are going to fall, but I do want to continue to elaborate on this because I think this is vitally important moving forward um, for the program stability. I don't think it's something that we can't overcome. I don't want to. I don't want to blow this out of proportion, but I think keeping Manny Diaz is for another years really 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 important um what do you think what do you think this a the Texas A&M job kind of getting handled and then you know obviously we got to see what else comes up but um you know do you think you think maybe Manny's Manny's leaning towards sticking around or, or what's your what's your thought process with that is just just analyzing it yeah I would hope so I mean I would take it as I think I said before you know he's not just going to up and jump and run to any old program out there it would probably I would imagine be a, a a strong standing, you know, organization program that's not it's nothing you have to rebuild necessarily. And Texas A and M obviously that first job off the bat, off the board, you know, that helps us uh, definitely. Uh who knows? I mean, that one like the town in that room, like they yeah. they yeah. need a commander. <laughs> you know what I'm like that's it. They just need someone who's gonna come yeah. in and be like this is black. This is white. This is how we're doing it. Dan, dan, dan. Here we go. Let the boys run because they got they got talent oozing out of that building. Right, right. Um, yeah. So that one been off the board. I'm sure their coaches were calling Texas A&M like, "Hey, let me pitch. You know, let me pitch myself to you." Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I'm not sure how many. I'm not sure there's too many like sexy vacancies out there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I got to look and see what other dominoes have fallen since, but. Yeah, to your point, I just don't think that there's many that are going to be plug and play. And it, right. it just seems like him performing the way he performed, I think, is 
can be interpreted two different ways, right? Like, Hey, like this is what I got. And he was auditioning for, you know, the next big domino that may fall. Um, or, you know, it was just him, him putting the nail in the coffin and, and saying, you know, Hey boys, this is who we're going to be here at Penn state right. for the next year. So I just thought that was an interesting take. There might be a happy medium there. Happy medium of like, you know, you're always putting your best foot forward. As we said, I think we know he's a guy that wants to, you know, run the show. He's been there before. He wants it back and wants to, you know, he, he's a competitor like we all are. We want to be the best. Um, but at the same time, I think it could be a, hey, we we have something here. I have something here with this defense. Yeah, we'll lose some pieces. But as we said, the, the young talent we've gotten the rotation this year, you know, the trust between coaches, Coach Franklin, I'm sure, is like, you know, we can make something happen next year, blah, 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 blah. Maybe he's auditioning, but still, we got something here. I believe in this, and I'm going to go out next year, 2024, and do it all over again even better. We're taking that yeah. third-ranked, whatever, defense in the nation to first. We're taking that yeah. second-ranked to first. We're already first in sacks. You know, uh, there's always room for improvement for sure, so. That's the competitive side too, as well. Yeah, that's good stuff. So we've kind of touched on it, but I think like the season in review is a is a good. I think that's a good place to be right now. You know, like let's let's take this back. Let's wind this wind this back when you were driving up to State College for the West Virginia game. Um, wow. It's like, damn, dude. But you know, there's there's some big takeaways. Like I, I said at the beginning, like obviously we didn't live up to the hype and expectations. I think the fan base, I don't even think the team was really buying into it, but I think you could tell the way Coach Franklin was talking to the media. Like he knew that this team had the potential to get over that hump and the hump being scarlet and gray and maize and blue and like, you know, Hey, we're here coming out type of party type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the West Virginia game was obviously uh, a, a, a big jump start in that. Um, and then, you know, it was like a lull of just handling business and then the right. Ohio State egg and then, you know, kind of tussling with Indiana and then coming back out and, and, you know, doing, getting back on track and then another dud against Michigan and, you know, some changes. There's just been a lot of ups and downs. And I think it's a great reason to just reflect upon because of everything we talked about with everything going on in college sports, with all of the, all of the outs that these kids have now, you know, I, I don't even want to call them outs because I think that they're fair, but like, it's just so open and unrestricted. Like it is an out and, um, Season in review, B. Like, give me your give me your season in review. I don't want to go off on too big of a tangent there. Man, as you said, it's been a long, quick, but short, I don't know, season. And it's been definitely a roller coaster ride. And I think some of those expect expectations weren't fair. I'll start by saying that. All to say this we was the juice, though, bro. What'd you say? I mean, we were drinking the juice. Yeah, no, we were. We were. But when I look back, because we saw the talent, you know, we, we said in the beginning of the year, the talent, the depth, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, as I've been saying the last few weeks, establishing dominance takes time. 
And the dominance, I think people lose sight. And I think when we drink the juice, we lose sight of it too. Like I said, we're good. We're definitely good. We've shown greatness. But to be dominant and elite, the word everyone likes to use, and consi- that comes with consistently every play, every week, you know, not too many lulls. I think that was unfair because we're still kind of a young team. You look at Drew, he's driving the boat, right? You know, he's at the helm. Unfair to him. Unfair to him. Not a freshman, but first year really doing the thing. And we saw the talent. We thought he'd sling it all over the yard. Unfair. Only to say we didn't necessarily see anything to show us that he would do that. The offense would do that with him at the helm. I mean, Clifford is one thing. Um, as we said, end of his career, I think we underestimated, you know, the control and command that he had of the team and offense. Um, and but I know we said that, you know, the uh, Rose Bowl game had us all drinking the juice as well. The running backs, two stud years. I just think it's really tough. It's really, really hard to win, as we know. And to win at the consistent clip that we all want and you know, we're expecting, I think we got to keep chipping away a little more. It's, it's. Uh, so, so here's, I'll start with the Drew comment because mm-hmm. I see where you're coming from, but I also do not think that it's not fair. I think the growth with him could have been better. Yeah. Overall. Week to week, I think the growth could have been better, and only because I stepped in, you know, the younger with less time on campus and with sim- with the same expectations, if not more, in some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, for sure. Hard time feeling for people with that, but I think that his growth was not quite as fast as everyone wanted, and that this then this is where I'm seeing it from your side of the coin because I've been there. It's it's not easy. It's not easy to grow. And there's, you know, fortunately I had a great offensive mind every day that I walked into with, with coach O'Brien and like a a really good solid foundation and coaching to be brought to be fall back on. And I didn't like, again, I don't want to talk about what he had or didn't have in that sense because I never sat in those meeting rooms and I couldn't evaluate it for myself. Right. But um, you know, obviously there was a change made. So maybe that may have been great. Maybe it not. You know, again, I don't want to speculate, but it is what it is. So, um, but with that being said, I, I I really want to see him take some onus on that this offseason and leverage that into turning it up next year and not allowing that to be an excuse um, right. as to why, you know what I'm saying? Like, like grow up now to, and not grow up. That's harsh words, but like, it's time to continue to accelerate that. Put your foot on the, put your foot on the accelerator yeah. and let's go faster. So I see where you're coming from, but I don't think that it was unfair because I think that there was a lot of areas where he could have definitely played better under unfavorable circumstances at times. But yeah. if you're that talented and, and you know, you got to you got to pull some guys out. You know, I just think it's I think it was more so of a confidence thing yeah. than it was a physical thing. And he's got to figure that out because at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot more times in his career where, and this is just speaking from experience where I faltered, where like I didn't have the confidence that I needed to pull myself out of those holes. That's 
that's a shitty place to be. So, you know, the, the earlier he can learn that, um, the better for his long-term longevity at the position, because it's not always, it's not always gonna be cupcakes and roses because you, you know, we all know it next to the head coach, first blame, first to success, first everything. So it's like, you really have to take onus on that and, and be supremely confident. And there was times throughout the year where I just didn't see him being supremely confident in his yeah. stuff. And it, it's a different breed. It's like a starting pitcher, man. Like some, like starting pitchers know they're not going to have their best shit 65% at 65, 70% of the time. They got to win with it, but when they're on, they're on. And they got to roll. And they're always expecting to be on because they never know when that's going to come. So it's right. like you're in the same boat as a quarterback. Like you got to, you got to really have that. So, and this is where, and I, I definitely understand your sentiment more now hearing you say that. Yeah. And I take it where you you've done it. This that's where I'm coming from as far as like next year. It's almost no excuse because. Yeah. Of everything you just said. Now, I, I I believe it's kind of hard to do that in the moment as a young kid and, you know, depending on the support that you have in your ear day in, day out. Yeah. But, like, now coming in, now that you know what, what it's like, you got a real sniff. You've been through the fire. You've like, been, been through the fire. Yeah. You know, that's – and then for the whole team, not talking Drew here. As we said, to get over the, that hump. What's up, everybody? If you are a college football fan like me, if you know a college football fan that's in your life, you need to go cop this shirt. New designs dropping all the time. It's the perfect gift with the holiday season coming around. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. Great material, great fabric. I wear it all the time. Go get yours today. You know what it, you know what it takes, you know, because everyone believes you work the hardest, you do everything you can. But to be, as we said, those games were so close, to, you know, Ten to five plays that made a difference. I I would hope and expect everyone returning, coaches included, to put that in the bank. It's not a it's not a loss if it's if you take a lesson out of it. So for Drew and the whole team, as far as like okay, this is what I got to do. I thought I knew before. I'm a mature kid, you know, calm demeanor. We talk about it, but I don't think he really knew what what was what was coming down the the road. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's just like, yeah. And I think it's almost like his, his experience this year can be like you're saying the, the overall theme for this team moving forward and not just team, but coaching staff, everybody moving forward. Right. Is that like the expectations are now set, right? They, you can make the argument that the expectations were set before this year, and I'm more on that side of the, the aisle than on the side that I'm about to talk right now. But the, the side that I'm about to talk right now is the reality of the situation at this point in time, right? Coach Franklin has set the expectations. This goes back to previous Ohio State matchups where they had the game and lost it in the last quarter. Like, great to elite conversations, like six six offensive coordinators. There's just been a lot of turnover and a lot of – a lot of – things that have assumed some of some of all of that shortcoming mm-hmm. now i just think that drew's drew's experience is a great uh anecdotal lesson for everybody where 
you may call me crazy. I talk about this offensive coordinator hire. I think it is the most important one of Coach Franklin's career because of where the program is, where the expectations have been set, not by outside factors, but also internal factors in that program. For right. Drew, big bounce back because now you're going to start having the banter about, oh, is this kid even the guy? You got a young kid, but you got a kid behind you who came in in your same class. You got the red shirt, but, you know, it's still a kid who came in behind you in your same class who gets a spark. Fans like him. That's an, that's a whole nother factor. Like Reality. everybody has to grow and take those steps or it becomes evaluation time. And I think that there's not any more sacrificial lambs out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not pulling for that to be the case. Like, I don't want that to be the, 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 the takeaway from this. What I'm, what I'm just saying is, is that the reality of the situation where we're at is again, it's, we're going to decide whether we're going to be, you know, continue this slow crescendo climb, or if we're going to get spun back into that, that the wash, the wash that, that I talked about earlier of just everything, excuse me, everything you have to deal with in college football now. So, um, I think the season in review is we did what we needed to do. We didn't come out the way we needed to come out to accomplish the things that we weren't expected to accomplish. And it's not only the program, but also it goes down to even the individual player side of things. So this is going to be really, really important. I think for us to be able to establish ourselves as a premier championship contending program, which is where everybody wants this program to be. Right, right. And I think, I think you, you talk to coach Franklin, you talk to Drew, everyone wants to be there. It's not like that's, I, that's why I loved Adam talking about it. Like we're not like, these guys aren't just content with what happened. Yeah. Everyone is bleeding, sweating, dying in winter workouts, dying in we, for that matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause we were there too. Like right. we, we didn't, we had the, we had the chip stacked against us and we weren't like praying for a seven win season. Like we were no. trying to go out there and go undefeated. Like every time you step on that field, you're trying to go and win the game and win the down and, and be competitive. Um, but I just think, I think it's vitally important now. So, um, you know, it just, it just brings us to this point where you said it earlier, we got some bowl projections here that I think are boating really well. And some of the names that are rolling into this, uh, into the, into the mix here from a, from a, from an opponent standpoint are, it's good for us because I think it allows us to, some of these teams will be in our conference next year. And, uh, you know, I think it just, it it bodes well for us to put a a step in the right direction to write up, write the ship in a way, not write the wrong, not write the ship. It's like, it's so hard to explain it in, in layman's terms, but like, just say, you know, Hey, we're here similar right. to the Utah game, but now with some programs that are, that are climbing quick. Right. Yeah. So, so here's what I got. Go ahead, B. You want to like a litmus test, but I don't want to say that because that's like putting it more in question. We're there, but you know, is it a question is like, are we really a contender? Are we really serious about being a contender? Because that's it. You, know, you, you hit the nail on the head. Are we serious about it? Are we, are we, are we eating our cereal in the morning going like, we're here, like we're here now. Like it's, it's more of a mindset thing. I think it's the yeah. six inches between our ears all the way around. Like we're here now. Like this is like, this is where we belong. I think they like dip their toe in the water this year 
And I think the defense was there. You don't know. You don't know until you like put yourself yeah. in there. And as you said, the defense, they got on a roll. It was like, no, we're 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 like that. We're about that. And obviously it doesn't matter if the team split. We need the whole team to be that way. And that's what we're saying. And it kind of brings you to my point, not to get uh, off in the bowl games. No, tweeted no. out about Michigan wearing the white gloves, DBs wearing the white gloves. And it's no, you know, you play ball. There's no, like, major tactic. But for a lot of fans, it's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Just you, you wear the opposing team's color gloves so you can't get caught holding and things of that nature. Not every team does it. But that seeing that from Michigan in that game, it as we said, it's that mindset. It's like, yo, this is life or death. This game, the game. Yeah, is, yeah, we're taking every competitive advantage that we need, and we're not feeling bad for you know that's that's that that killer mentality. That's yeah, what I yeah. when I saw that. That's what I saw. Like these guys, whether it's coaches, whoever made it, like these are they're pros about it. It's not just going out to win on Saturday. Yeah, not that I'm saying we did that, but that's the level of killer. Yeah, yeah. To get over the hump of those two teams that played. We need to match that. And everything is purposeful. Like, I don't think we got off the bus against Ohio State. I said that. And even the defense, like, they played well. But I just think, like, you could see they didn't have that killer edge. And I said this about the Michigan game. I truly thought the first four or five possessions, like, everybody was bought in. Like, we didn't punch that touchdown in. We moved it down the field. But I, I felt like the entire team was bought in playing with confidence. But then the minute it started feeling a little bit like the Ohio State game again, you saw certain components of our team go into that shell and, like, kind of grab the blankie again. And uh, that's what killed me. Right. And now, like, can we put it all together here where it's like we're just still going to cut loose for four yeah, quarters and live, and live with it live with it. Right. Like, but we're, we're not gonna, we're not going to cater. We're not going to play to lose. We're going to continue to shoot our shots. We're going to continue to throw our punches until I don't have any more gas left. Right. And I think that's, it's a very freeing thing as a team when you do that and you have the mental fortitude to do that for four quarters, you, you almost hit like this Nirvana. That's like, Holy shit, I'm here. I, I can do that's this. And then you just breed it into the next game and the next season and the next phase of the program, whether that's, you know, winter workouts or spring ball or whatever, you start breeding that into who you are and what you do. And then before you know it, like you may be tricking yourself, but you're there. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, right. so, so exactly. that goes back. It, it's it, but it's, it's a really powerful thing. And it goes back to these bowl projections, right? Like I'm seeing the peach bowl, fiesta, cotton, citrus. I know a lot of people are talking about it, but then I really want to kind of take it over to, you know, obviously we have some stuff playing out in, in championship weekend coming up here, but Ole Miss, LSU, Texas, Oregon, Washington, Alabama, Mizzou, and Tulane. Obviously, I don't really feel like doing all of the uh, the, the, the damn Venn diagrams of like right. connecting school games or pulling from which conference and so on and so forth, but um, I just kind of wanted to roll those out there. And I kind of get your thoughts on, yeah. on favorable matchups, what you want to see, why you like it, why you don't like it, you know, kind of your synopsis of the situation that's out there as it stands today. Yeah, and I think last week I might have said I wanted to see Oregon because they were flashy and high-powered. Bo Nix is playing well right now. But I think I retract that statement. Looking at these, I don't want Pac-12. I want SEC. And with that being said, I want Texas – 
Ole Miss, LSU, or, or Bama. I guess Mizzou, Mizzou's in there too, but yeah, we'll throw them in there too. I just want I want the physicality because, like we said, that kind of litmus test that whatever you want to call it from these pop, these are all up and coming programs that probably see themselves just where the Penn State community does. You know, teams that are on the brink of fighting for the national, you know, uh, playoff run. And I think Texas is right there from what I've seen. Yep, yep. Talent, coaching, what they put out there on Saturdays, little ups and downs here and there. But, I mean, I think we saw that from everyone this year. No one. I think it. Texas got over the hump this year. Like, exactly. I thought last year Texas was kind of where Penn State was this year, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And I thought that this year they beat Bama early. They go on a roll. Yeah, they have that one loss, but then they don't let it affect them. That quarterback goes down. They win with their backup. He's back. Like, I think Texas is where we need to be next year at at a minimum in terms of how they're playing. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. I like that. That's perfect. And I think what you said kind of brought me to it's not about our opinions, our expectations. It's what's being set in that locker room. You know, yeah. what are their goals? And are you over exceeding your own expectations? Because I know for them, it isn't just, you know, yeah, we want to beat Ohio State, Michigan. It can't be that. It's what do we want to put on the field individually for tape wise? Like who you put on, what you show on tape is who you are. Yeah. As many coaches have told us, individual and as a team, as sections of the team, you know, did. Can you look in yourself in the mirror after the game as a team, as an individual, as a certain sector of the team, and did you accomplish what you set out to do? And I think, like you said, Texas, yeah, sure, they didn't necessarily make it to the playoffs, but they still got over their own hump, not the hump that everybody else is putting on. Yeah. They overexceeded their own expectations and played the way, you know, closer to the way they'd like to play. And there's, I think there's, there's still a scenario where – they had the one slip up, but because they got Bama, there's still a scenario where Texas yeah. could stay in there, like depending yeah. on what happens this weekend, right? So it's like you you paint a great picture, though. Like they controlled what they wanted to control, and although they didn't come short, they didn't let that define them right. in way of accomplishing the next challenge that came up, and it didn't affect the way they performed like I I really do think that that Ohio State loss and the manner in which we lost affected us against Michigan in the manner that I said where the minute it started feeling like that again whereas like I said you see a you see a Texas team that that beats Bama early and then falls short I forget who they lost to but they lost to whomever that was and then like I said their starting quarterback goes down who was Mm -hmm. a Heisman defender at that point I'm a big Quinn Rush fan so I, I love the kid and then they know they're playing with a backup, and that doesn't even affect them. They go out and beat a couple of really good teams when he's there, and then Quinn steps back in, and they're rolling again. So, you know, I think it's interesting. Yeah. I, I like the point, like, about wanting an SEC school. But I personally, the way, the way I've kind of characterized this is there's, like, three tiers. And I think Oregon and Washington, and I, I'm, I'm teetering on Texas, mm-hmm. but – I don't think that they're quite there yet. Um, but like Oregon and Washington, the way they've been playing uh, has been really scary. And right. like I said, Texas could be a hybrid between this and two, but I'm, I'm just going to keep them in the, in the second tier. But like Oregon and Washington are going to be, A, I think 
really tough challenges for us. I think one of them is going to be off the table here at some point in time. This yeah. is pretty mad. Um, but uh, I think they're really – and they're coming into the conference. So the only, the only benefit to that is you're going to see Washington at home next year. You yeah. know, so it could be a great just temperature gauge on, on what they're going to do coming into the Big Ten and our style of play, right? Then I go to tier two, which is like if I'm sitting here as a broadcaster or as a, as, as a, as a committee picking from one of these bowl teams, I'm like, what brands can I put together that are going to put together like a great game? Like it's Texas, it's Bama, it's LSU. Like to me, it's like those three against Penn State is like so cool. You want to talk about views. You want to talk about money generated. You want to talk about traveling fan bases. Like that That would be the shit, man. Yeah. So I think those three programs kind of fall in that territory. And then in terms of like games where I feel really confident about our matchup in terms of how we're playing right now is Ole Miss, Mizzou, and Tulane. And that's not to take anything away from – any of those programs, I think Lane Kiffin's dangerous. I really like the quarterback at Missouri, Brady Cook. I think he's a really yeah. good player. Um, and then Tulane, I like I like their quarterback as well. But, you know, I think just the way our defense has been playing, they're advantageous things for us in terms of going out and getting somebody. Like if, yeah. like if I'm going like to take betting odds of I'm going to put all my money on Penn State, it's going to be against one of those three teams. The other ones, like I'm just not betting and I'm sitting back and watching and seeing how we right. run. That's why I wanted. That's why I wanted. Like you said, to see, like you said, was was this last game, you know, uh, more flukish, or was it? This is who we're we're set to be. Yeah. And another thing, I don't know what it is. Pac-12 teams, well, formerly known as Pac-12 teams, they don't they don't move me. They don't move me. Oregon, Washington, super good. Like I said, high power, but they don't move me when it comes to. Facing up against, not that they can't win. I mean, I lost to a Pac-12 team, but I don't know what it is. Like, I don't believe it until I see it, you know? No, hey, listen, I'm with you. I have this argument with my dad all the time. My dad, because I don't really quite buy into it as much, but my dad's like, oh, they have Pac-12. They can't deal with the physicality of the Big Ten. He's like, that's going to be a big change. The USC, they're going to come in here and they can't deal with the physicality of it. And, like, it's weird because, you know, I played the Big Ten and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's physical. But I just, like, I don't know what it is. Got a ton of respect for, like, that Washington team, the way they're doing it. I think they got great players. I think their defense is good. Um, I, but they're just, for whatever reason, they let everybody score 40 points and they score 48. And it's, like, the same way with Morgan. Like, if you sit there and you look at the individual players, you're like, man, they're really good. Like, he's right. really good. A really good team. Dan Lanning, you know, he came from yeah. the – he coached arguably the best defense that we've seen in the history of college football at Georgia and then goes up to Oregon and is like, yeah, fuck it. We'll just score 60 and right. we'll let them score 48. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, I think that's, I what, that's what me and dad always got along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to just stick to the physicality of it, but it's like – it's almost like the field just shrinks. You know, we know how it shrinks when you go to NFL. You watch high school yeah. games, to college games. When I watch Pac-12 games, it just seems like so much grass that's (laughs) open space. And you watch Michigan-Ohio State, you watch us against Michigan. The passing routes, there's not that much space. Like, (laughs) there's not. But that's what it is. It's something. I don't know what it is, but I don't believe it until I see it. Although, Washington, Oregon, they are – with the two quarterbacks, both will be removed. Uh, We'll see what they do there. 
uh, post next year. But both of these yeah. guys are, I believe, at the top with the LSU quarterback um, at the top of the Heisman list. So it's fun to watch just as a pure fan. I like watching Oregon. I like watching UW slinging around. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I think, I think they'll be good matchups. I think they'll be great tests for our defense. And then subsequently, you know, on the other side of the ball, you know, I think the Texas defense has the potential to be probably the best defense out of this entire batch. Um, and I just want to see what our, how our offense reacts. Right. Right. You know, so at Texas, the Texas Penn State game just kind of has a ring to me. Maybe in the yeah, yeah. it's the it's the color, like I said, it's the branding. Yeah, Penn State, Texas, it's the color matchup, orange and yeah. blue, yeah. good contrast. They should let both of us wear home jerseys. I'm putting that yeah. out there. Cotton Bowl, if that happens, almost like UCLA, USC. Yeah, they wear the blue versus the orange. That'd be fire for TV. You want ratings, the visual. Talk to me. Come on now. Come on now. It would be good, bro. So that's that's our bowl projections from the pocket. You know, we're, we we didn't really talk. You know, what we wanted to see too deep. You know, we kind of kept it broad stroke. But I think that there's obviously some things that need to shake out this weekend. But uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be a great opportunity for us top to bottom to see if we can conti- can can continue to carry this momentum out. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay any of this um, weak ass turnout on the on the mailbag today. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm gonna take blame for that. I think it was my weak ass video. I don't know. My girl said my eyebrows were all bushy. I need to shave. I'll take onus for that. I was in a rush. Next week, the pocket. Yeah. Penn State fans, next week, come on, hit us. Hit us I'm, 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 I'm putting this out there. I think this is a challenge. You know, we're gonna need it. We're gonna need a better mailbag next week. So uh, maybe we'll do a collab video or something. You know, mm. get like the three ring circus behind us or some visual, visual, uh, some visual motivation. Or something. I don't know. We'll figure yeah. something out. Um, not a shot at our fans. We love you guys, um, but. <laughs> Well, actually, I'll say this. I think we had quality over quantity this week. Mm, that's tough. And that, and that dives into this. It was it was tough as we were reading through these, but I think that this one question is – or this one – yeah, one question, conversation, statement uh, is a really interesting one because it kind of goes on the theme of what I talked about in the landscape of college football and how we're, how we're going through things. So – this is a huge shout out to Andy Rupert at We Are To The Top on X. Um, I love this question. The minute I saw it, I took a screenshot of it and was like, this is what I'm ripping with for this whole mailbag segment because I thought it was really thought out and it 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 brings in a lot of a lot of the moving parts that are that are college football right now. So I'll get to it. And, and shut up because I can talk a lot. Is the current model of asking fans to pay more for going to games and now coaches around the country demanding for increased contributions for collectives sustainable? My hope is we eventually see players classified as employees and getting revenue sharing. It's a fantastic question. We're talking about the transfer portal being unrestricted free agency. We're talking about NIL. We're talking about money dollars. We're talking about coaches now. You know, you saw Jim Mora give the give the huge thing about, you know, this and that. You saw Coach Rule talk about 
expectations matching the effort from all involved. Um, B, give me give me what you got on this because I I can go for a while, but I yeah. think this is really good. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you've been saying it. It's the wild wild west. A lot of coaches been saying it. I shoot my uh, like my Penn State mom, you know, lovely mom. I met up there and uh, took care of us. She's always coming at me. She's a little. She's from the Joe Pye era, so she's a little more old school. So all this stuff comes at a little, little different angle. She's like, "Oh, I hate it. What's this NIL stuff? Coaches are right. You're just paying for players." And I'm like, "You are a hundred percent correct." But don't blame the coaches. Don't blame the ads. Blame the NCAA because, as Mr. Rupert just said, we hope to eventually see. If the players were just classified and paid at a you know just amount, you wouldn't have to open the floodgates to NIL and this and that to get guys paid. So it's definitely that's the hope, Rupert. Um, I think when it comes to the NCAA, I don't have too much faith. I don't know how long it'll take, but I hope they're working on something sooner than later because this is it's it's going to get reckless uh, if it isn't already. I mean. It's changing. The landscape of college football has changed tremendously in two years than I think it ever did in the previous, you know, 50 or 100. So, I mean, we got guys now official. You can you now charge for official. If you're a top tier player, it used to just be for fans out there. You know, they pay for your family to travel, come see the campus, pay for your food, hotel. That's fine. Now, players are now charging universities. You have to pay me X amount of dollars. So I can come visit your school. Yeah. That alone is insane. But that's where we are today. And it's almost going to be hard to kind of retract that back. And, change, well, you know, to me. Yeah. What I think is going to be interesting, too, is what you talked about. Like if the players do become, you know, like W2 employees of the schools, how does that affect the transfer portal? Right. Because right now, like these kids could. You know, yeah, there's windows and this and that and the other thing, but like they could still hit the portal and be out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think an interesting point is when you start bringing in revenue sharing. And this is to kind of go back to his question like, the cost of attending a college football game for the average fan is skyrocketing. You know, hotel rooms are skyrocketing. It's just, it's supply and demand. It's pretty much simple economics. But then you have coaches asking the same folks. Um, to, to if they want to see their teams win, then they have to start making more financial contributions to go towards paying these players and stuff like that. So I do think the revenue sharing model um, brings some value to that and, and alleviates that from the average fan. I'm, I'm not going to say it's going to make it cheaper to go to a game. It's <laughs> definitely probably not. Yeah. But what is the interesting thing then is, you know, I truly believe that the minute you start having revenue sharing and players being paid uh, in that type of model, these coaching salaries are going to start dropping because they become a much less smaller piece of the equation because at the end of the day, they aren't the guys pulling the trigger. They coach them up. They do what they got to do. But, you know, so I think the coaches, you know, behind the scenes are going to be, delaying this as much as possible because they understand the economics of it. Um, But ultimately when it does get there, I think it's going to be good for the fans. 
you know, you're, 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 you're going to have a little bit of a, of a relief from the day to day. I still think the folks who have deep pockets, the alumni, the boosters who are continually donating are going to figure out ways how to continue to, to keep a well there that may or may not be needed on top of what goes on. But then you start getting into the argument of, is there going to be uh, salary caps? Is there going to be this? Is there going to be that? You're basically falling into the NFL. Like you're going to have a union of players that are college football players. They're going to have to learn how to pay union dues and all these other things at 18 years old, which is going to be interesting. <laughs> and then you're going to have, you know, your, your, your schools that are trying to cater to it. Can you afford it? Can your schools raise the money for it? Are your contract, are your TV contracts worth that? So on and so forth. Are your sponsors worth that? So there's a lot of economics and background business dealings and conversations that are going to go on for it to be at that point. But it is at that point because yeah. of the manner in which the NCAA rolled all this out. Um, it is hard. It's crazy. Coaches are going to continue to banter about, about the advantages and this and that and the expectations. And uh, it's, it's really, really tough. Um, I just wish that there was a little bit more thought that went into this prior to unleashing it. Um, unfortunately, that's asking a little bit too much. But um, when they do get it right, it's going to piss some people off. Some people are going to be left behind. Um, it's going to be a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Um, but, Andy, you know, at least your pockets may be safe from the uh, – <laughs> annual subscriptions to the, to the exclusive content from different collectives and stuff like that, you know, let, let Fox and ESPN uh, kind of help you out. But uh, yeah, I can't, I can't help you out too much about the, uh, about, about the $700 a night at the Ramada or $800 a night at the Ramada to go watch Delaware. Yeah. That's hey man. Yeah, this is this. It's where we're at today. That is where we're at. <laughs> Shoot, man. You got you got sweets coming in the Beaver Stadium and this and that. That's money is flowing. Yeah. So so let me ask you this, B. Do you think it is gonna be more of like an employee model where they where the school actually employs these players? Or is it gonna be more of that like free market unionized model? because of the transfer portal and all this other stuff that's going on. Right. And how do you regulate that? Exactly. I think if anything, it I would go with the employee model because that is a little bit more structured. I would imagine they want it to be still kind of keep as much control as they can. Um, so what happens to the transfer portal? I think if that disappears, a lot of people won't be complaining. At least coaches won't be. Coaches won't be no, players. But if if you go to the W if you go like the W two model where mm -hmm. they basically sign a contract with the school, like the schools can now say this is a four year contract or four yeah. year commitment out of it, you know, X amount, you know, there's it could be buyouts, paybacks, could be all kinds of stuff associated with this. Cause now you're talking housing, you're talking education, schools, all that you know, books, all this other stuff. So like if you become a W two of the school, essentially you tie yourself mm -hmm. to the school. Coaches could still leave. Right. All, you know, all that, all that can still happen. Um, the transfer portal obviously loses ground because mm -hmm. it might be more of a financial commitment to go to the transfer portal than to just well, stay. As an independent contractor, do you still you would you still have right to hire an attorney, agent, whatever, to proctor 
your contract to this new school. You know, hey, I'm signing a two year deal. I'm coming to Texas for two years. Yeah. yeah. Or I guess it still has to do with eligibility too, to some point too. Yeah. So you have- There's a lot of shit. There's a lot of layers to this onion. And that's like. You're going to have kids coming out of high school. It's like, yo, I'll sign two years. Two years. We'll see what happens. Resign me to stay. Or I'm yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. it's it's the wild, but, wild. It's like one of those things, though, where like you know, like the NFL, for example, they went to the whole slot thing, where like you know, they, like rounds, like it's not going to be mm-hmm. a draft. No. Like you know, do they slot certain things? Do they have maybe you know options on certain certain tiers? You know, I I hate the star system, but does the star system start playing to it? You know, the whole blue chip factor. Uh... It really is going to come down to, I guess, your quality of play, what you do, your analytics towards the team, value. And that's the interesting thing. Then then NIL is basically gone because it is pay for play. It's pay for play. So it's like you're going to change the whole damn model. I feel like they would like to because of where it is now. Yeah. To a certain degree. I mean, you, I guess you could still be marketed and collect your own money, but where the collective, what happens to the collectives? And yeah, it's, well, that's, you know, that's semantics at that point. Something gets probably taken in house or something like that. But I just feel like it's really interesting. I feel like the salary cap conversation is probably the most interesting one because you're looking at maybe like a school like Texas A&M and saying, yeah, you can't raise the, Mm-hmm. 35, 40 million that you could raise tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to stay at 10. Right. Because, right. because Syracuse can only get 10. Yeah, nah, they're not going to, so, teams aren't going to fly for that. That's not happening. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's crazy, man. <laughs> crazy. You're going to have commissioners. You're going to have all kinds of shit going on. It's going to be, if it gets to that point, it's going to be extremely, extremely interesting. Yeah. You might as just call it amateur ball. Take the college. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're at this point, we're just calling it. We're getting closer to calling it what it's always been. People just don't yeah, want yeah. to because it's collegiate yeah, yeah. sports. But it's the NFL didn't want to have to pay for it either. The owners yeah, of the NFL not want to have to pay for a feeder system. You know that's what I'm saying? True. The reason they haven't invested in the XFL or the yeah, USFL, yeah, yeah. NFL Europe for a little bit, and they're like, "Shit, I ain't paying for this anymore." <laughs> You're on your own, Rock. Yeah. So, now that's a good question, though, Andy Rupert. That was a good question. As you said, that's you a great know, question. Yeah, that is a great question, and uh, hopefully, B and I gave you guys some some good arguments for for full <laughs> season. And, over over Christmas dinner here coming up soon uh, because there are there are a lot of stones that are yet unturned down that path and I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see how it ultimately plays out. I think it's going to happen fast too. You know, yeah. I think I mean, similar to what you said about you know kind of getting into that mind state during the game of like oh you just out there flying around you're not even thinking. That's what's kind of that's what's fun about all this to me is just figuring it out, whether it's from your own respective team, everyone as a whole with everything we just talked about, figuring that out. The the state of college football, maybe it's the little bit of insanity left to me from being a football player, but 
the unknown is kind of exciting. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's always, if you're a thrill chaser, there's always excitement in the unknown. Yeah. Yeah, so. there's a lot of arguments going on. People are like, oh, I can't watch NFL, college football. NFL is way better. I don't see how you even argue it. I mean, they're both great products, but they're two separate. And this is kind of why the college football wildness, wackiness is it's fun to, to see unfold <laughs> to me. No doubt. No. With that, that was another episode of The Pocket. Uh, last regular season episode of the pocket. So please make sure you follow us on all our socials at state media PSU uh, at the college something co Mercury, find them. They're all over the place. Follow Mercury, follow state media PSU. Uh, you can follow me at B bell. Um, keep up to date with all of us. Make sure you like, and subscribe YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast, wherever you can find us. Uh, we really do. Appreciate it. And don't forget, we got the merch. Always pumping out new stuff. Super customizable. Um, the folks over over at Mercury have put a ton of ton of time and effort into into building out our merch store. So uh, make sure you guys check that out, especially with holiday season coming up. And uh, with that, this was The Pocket with Christian Hackenberg and B. Bell. And uh, we're looking forward to pumping out more stuff up until this bowl game that is much anticipated. So we appreciate you guys. And as always, we are out and see you next time.